Welcome to the Behold Do Good podcast. I'm your host, Todd Marchant, and this is a show for those who desire increased capacity, the capacity needed to live fully and to show up well for those you love. If your life is anything like ours, you often experience the reality that you don't have much to give when your own cup is empty. These struggles inspired my wife, Ashley, and I to embark on an ongoing journey of healing and wholeness. Our journey has not removed the challenges out of life, but it has given us practical tools to increase our capacity to deal with those challenges and to create the life we want. We created this podcast to share those tools so you can care for yourself and so we can together care for the world. Enjoy the show today. And if you're looking for additional support, head on over to beholddogood.com. Welcome back to the Behold Do Good podcast. I am honored here today to be joined by Annalise Richmond. Annalise is an international trainer of breathwork, meditation, leadership, and social connection for the last 22 years, where she has trained over 1,200 certified meditation, breathwork, and leadership instructors globally. Now, Annalise, your expertise has led you to traveling across the U.S. as a guest lecturer in a lot of universities and major corporations. But we are also super privileged to have you as one of our amazing instructors in our Processing Difficult Emotions course that can be found at BeholdDoGood.com. So we're very, very grateful for your contributions there. Uh, and also, prior to getting involved in, in breath work, you spent 15 years in New York City as a professional ballerina. Yes. Which is, yes, which is actually where your passion for breath work actually began. So we will talk about that more in just a minute. I think that's where I want to start our conversation. But I did want to just mention one last thing first here as a part of your bio. I just love the amazing work that you've done for young adults. Uh, Annalise has created the Sky Campus Happiness Program. So for our listeners, it's a total well-being program that has now spread to 101 universities, which I just think is incredible. So thank you for the great work you're doing, Annalise, and being on the show. Uh, Thank you, Todd. Thank you for having me. I love the work that you're doing. It's really reaching into all sectors of society, it feels like. And this is so needed at this time, this kind of work. Everyone. Well, well thank you. You're, you're helping make it possible. So, so I, mentioned, I mentioned some of your journey. You know, our, our family, and you and I were just talking a minute ago, our, our family has been on a journey and is, continues to be on this journey of seeking whole being health as a family. And we're actually getting ready. Um, I'm excited. This is the first time I think will be shared publicly, but we're getting ready to launch a new phase of Behold You Good a week from when this episode airs. My wife and I will be having a podcast episode. We're going to talk about how we're going to start opening up and Behold You Good to allow individuals and families to follow more closely along to our own journey of seeking whole being health as a family. But you have been on a journey yourself. The, the, you, the way your life looks today is the result of a very intentional effort into well-being. And so if you wouldn't mind, Annalise, I'd just love for you to share some of your story, how, how you got started into this and how it's become your life work. Ooh, okay. Well, I guess, like you're saying, health is, is on many levels, right? Uh, well-being and health happens on so many levels so (laughs) how this started for me on many levels I was looking for more whole health I was a ballerina at the time when I started running into this work and I was 
severely injured. And then I danced on that injury for about a year because that's what you do as a dancer. You just pop a bunch of Advil and keep dancing. So I got to the point in my career where I couldn't walk any longer. And um, that was it. I, I had I was faced with like, you got to choose something else to do, you know, according to the doctors. And that was really devastating for me as a dancer. I couldn't even find anything else I wanted to do. <laughs> so I kind of went into this depression and I had a lot of anxiety. I don't know why. Maybe I was used to moving my body and I wasn't moving anymore. So I found myself in a lot of depression and anxiety, unable to dance and also not able to walk. Um, so and looking to doctors and then the doctors like you'll never dance again sorry like this is the end of your career um so i found a physical therapist who would work with me and then i started pouring myself into like books about what is life and then spiritual books and this and that like what are you supposed to do with your life what's the purpose of your life uh and that kind of led me to discovering one starting to look into meditation I tried lots of yoga, but then I was more uh, kind of attracted to the meditative part. And I started getting recommended by a friend, take this course, Art of Living, Art of Living. You gotta do the Art of Living. I'm like, I'm like what is it? They're like, I can't tell you, just do it. You'll love it, you know? And I'm like, okay, this is strange. So I went, I just took his word for it. I went to the course in New York City and uh, I was blown away. A four day, just four sessions. Uh, first of all, you know, I learned this technique, which was breathing meditation called sky breath meditation. It's all based on the breath. And I felt transported. Number one, I felt like I literally floated out the window. Like I didn't have a body anymore during the, <laughs> the experience. And at, at the end of four days, I was like, oh my God, my body doesn't hurt anymore. Like it was always hurting after, you know, 12 years of training and then eight years of professional dancing. It was just hurt all the time. And it, suddenly the body felt light and like I was 18 again. Then I was like, what is this technique? This is kind of bizarre. I feel like my body's new, you know, so on a, on a physical level, it had such an impact. Um, and I slowly, slowly nurtured my body back to dancing shape. And I got a job with the Metropolitan Opera somehow against all odds. Three doctors saying you'll never dance again. I don't really know how that happened. Maybe it was the power of belief. Also, my physical therapist kind of believed in it and the breath work, it really helped kind of strengthen my body. Um, and then what happened was that I had a lot of stage fright uh, for the first eight years of my career. But after practicing this sky breath meditation, I just walked on a stage one night after a couple of weeks of practicing. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm not nervous. Like what, this is weird. <laughs> super comfortable and it's like thousands of people and I, I was kind of waiting for the normal stress response like and then you kind of psych yourself out psychologically you psych yourself out I'm going to try to do this turn but I'm probably going to fall you know like you do all this I'm sure Olympic athletes have this too but that stuff didn't come like my mind was just like yeah, this is pleasant I'm dancing you know and I was really blown away by that that the thing that was kind of psychologically triggering or the the stressful situation in my life had suddenly become more enjoy or had become enjoyable. Then I was like, this is something, this technique is much more than just a technique or just sitting to meditate. It's like life transforming. So then I kind of vowed internally, I gotta teach this to people. I gotta learn how to teach this. But I really didn't like speaking in front of others because a dancer, well, at least I chose dance because I liked it's silent communication, you know? 
And I was like, oh, but I don't like to speak in front of people. (laughs) But that was it. I was like, no, this is too important. Like this is needed in New York City. It's needed because people's lives are so stressful and overburdened. And that was it. I went for the teacher training and I hid in the back of the room (laughs) so that I didn't get called on. But I did finish the teacher training and then started teaching uh, sky breath meditation all over New York City after that. And and here you are now teaching it all over the country uh, to yeah. uh, just major you know leaders uh, all around, which I think is just amazing. And so, first of all, thank you for for sharing your story, Annalise. It is amazing and inspiring to me at, at many levels. You know, one one is just the power of the mind body connection. Like it is amazing that as we start to tap into that connection, what type of healing can take place, either in our body or in our mind or both. And, and so I just love the way that your, your story is an example of that. But also I, I think it's, it's amazing when we take what was ultimately the most stressful part of your life and the fact that the stress and anxiety could be removed from it in a way that you could enjoy it more. To me, that is so powerful because I think one thing we don't always realize is the things that are most stressful to us. It's not that they're bad things. In fact, it's usually, it, it's because it's the most important things to us. So when something is really important to us, that's why we get more stressed about them. And, yeah. and so it was this really important part of your life and your passion and what you wanted to do. And, and so of course it was more naturally stressful, but the fact that you could remove the stress and anxiety out of it to where you could just enjoy this thing that was really important to you. I think that there are parallels to every single one of our lives uh, in that way that really gives just some wonderful context to the, some of the things we'll talk about with breath and meditation and, and those techniques today. So again, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. So I, I think one thing that would be really interesting uh, to ask it as we think about that connection like how how in the world is it that breath has such a major role in our stress response and you know and anxiety our our emotional resilience and well-being you know one of the things that you have talked about and taught to, to our community that i'd love just to have you share some additional thoughts on is about how most of us live in this kind of one-way street experience of our emotions, where we experience some circumstance in life. And as a response to that, our mind begins racing and our emotions are the product of our thoughts. And so we have this emotional response to those thoughts. And then our breathing has a kind of related breathing pattern attached to it. And then, you know, I know for me and for so much of us, we often can then get stuck in that emotional state for a few hours, a few days, or even longer. But you teach about how we can actually make it a two-way street. We can start with breath and work our way back up to change our, our, our nervous system, to influence our nervous system, to change our bodily reaction, our thoughts, et cetera. So could you talk to us some about that? Like what is this two-way street and, and kind of that connection between breath and our emotional response to the experiences of our life? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, how many of us have been stuck in an emotion? many times we're stuck and then we're like i want to get out of this i feel angry and i want to stop feeling angry and the more you tell yourself stop feeling angry you notice this or the more you're like i should calm down actually the more you resisted it persists and this is a law that governs our mind what you resist persists 
And even when someone else, like think about the last time someone told you, calm down, what happened inside of you? Or you tell yourself, calm down. Never in the history of calm down has calm down ever worked. If somebody says, calm down, you're like, Psh, you calm down. You know, <laughs> it's like, this doesn't work. This um, going against the mind with the mind itself. So what's so powerful about the breath is it is conscious and it's tied to the unconscious and subconscious layers of ourselves. It's uh in a more medical terms, it's automatic, but so autonomic, you know, and it's also can be controlled. It's one of the only functions in our system that is automatic. It's happening on its own, but it can also be controlled by you. So think about the other automatic functions, your heart rate. Can you tell your heart like, well, just rest for a moment. I don't need you to beat for a couple minutes or digestion. Can you stop for a little while? Like, you can't stop and start them. They keep going. Breath is going on its own and most of us aren't aware of our breath at all, yet you can control it. You could hold it and stop it for 30 seconds. You can make it longer and shorter. So this gives us a gateway into the unconscious and subconscious layers of ourselves and into changing old impressions that are stored in the system, which become habits, become habit patterns. And they become emotional habits too, the way we react. We react. Notice we react with the same anxiety to the same situation that comes or one situation makes us angry and then we keep getting angry every time it happens. So these patterns can actually be shifted in us. And if you think about how, what have you been taught by society to do with your emotions? Either you're taught stuff it, suppress it, and then you hold it all in and one day, you know, like you have, you or that person at work like blows up. It doesn't work, right? Suppressing, stuffing. We're taught something else that can be useful, which is cognitive reappraisal. Like uh, you learn to intellectually look like, oh, but I live in a country that's fairly wealthy and I have enough food on my table and I have a roof over my head, uh, you know, and then that can shift our emotions somewhat. Cognitive reappraisal, which is mostly what psychology and psychiatry is teaching us. Just look at it differently. Or you read a book, have gratitude. You should have gratitude. Okay, That works somewhat, but on in the occasions when we're very stressed and emotional, it doesn't work. What happens like in the in the brain, what's happening in our system is the cognitive functioning, when we're not upset and we're not emotional, the prefrontal cortex is raining and we can logically use reasoning to say, hey, come on, Annalise, hey, Todd, it's not so bad. You have really nice family supporting you and you can reconfigure the emotional experience. But when we're really upset, it's the back of the brain that took over. And when the back of the brain I don't know if you want to call it more primitive, but where the emotion centers are, when that takes over, it's shown in research that the connection between logic centers and emotion centers gets cut or weakened. And so your logic is no longer going to be able to talk you out of that emotion. What's happening emotional center is raining and that's it. You're angry and you're going to throw the plate or whatever, <laughs> like, or you're going to yell at the boss or leave the job or so then you really need the secret of how to tap into your nervous system. 
how do you tap into it without your mind having to say, stop doing that, get it, calm down? You know, how do you get around that resistance in the mind that doesn't work? The easiest and most powerful way is the breath. Oh, if I know how to volitionally use my breath, use techniques, I can literally calm my system down without having to tell my mind, calm down, calm down, because that is not going to work. We know, we know from past experience, telling yourself, calm down, calm down doesn't work. But the breath, your system has no choice but to follow the breath. So if you can learn to skillfully use the breath, it becomes a two-way street. Usually we have someone yells at us, somebody says something, the mind goes, what, you know, and that turns into emotions. The emotions are like sensations in the body. The breath goes into a certain pattern and the nervous system is stuck in that emotional state for a long time. But we never thought of using, go from the other side. Oh, if I change the breath, the physiology changes, you know, you create, um, you move the system from sympathetic mode, which is fight or flight, running from the tiger. You move the system with the breath into parasympathetic mode, which is rest and digest, which is like calm and alert. And then your whole system, when you've changed the physiology, your mind is part of the physio physiology. Mind responds to that and the thoughts start being more calm, more logical. You turn the prefrontal cortex back on and then you're able to act with skill in life and not do something that you're going to regret later. So powerful because all of a sudden, as you're describing that, it, it gives me this sense of agency that, that I actually have more control in these high emotional moments than, than I, than I often feel in that moment. You know, I was thinking as you were talking, Annalise, about just these different parts of my life where I feel myself getting into that illogical, more emotional state where I feel less control. And, you know, they show up in every part of life in, in one way or the other. But one of the most common is, is actually as a parent with my kids, where I feel like I get into these patterns where there's certain behaviors that for whatever reason, maybe I've attached some like future forecasting that if this continues, this will happen in our family or this will happen in their life or, you know, whatever it might be. Or, or maybe it's a, a, how I, I then define myself as a parent based off of their, their behavior and and so then there's this emotional response I have when they exhibit these behaviors that, that I don't think are the best behaviors. And then I get into a habit of responding that every way where it happens so fast, where I can just quickly get into that emotional state as soon as it happens and then not be the type of you know father that I want to be. And uh, one of the people Ashley and I have, have spent time you know learning with as they've talked about this two-way street idea, this ability to use the breath to influence the nervous system, to get into a more calm state in which we can actually show up the way we want to show up. Uh, they call it flipping the switch, that we use the breath to flip the switch. And it's it's one of the fastest ways to kind of get back into that state where we can actually show up as a better version of ourselves. Again, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, you know, whatever it might be. And, and so you, you articulated that very well, kind of the, 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 the reason, what is that connection between breath and, and our emotional state? And it's interesting as I, as I think about the next layer of that, anxiety and depression so often live in, when we are focused on past or present. 
you know, when we're worried about the future or when we're dwelling on the past uh, and we do that consistently enough, it starts to produce, you know, our, our anxiousness or our, our, you know, more sad, depressed feelings. And I've heard you actually share the stat before that, that research shows that 50% of the time on average, we are not present, but we're actually focused on kind of the past or present. Yes. So I wonder if you could expound a little bit on, you know, why does that matter? First of all, what, what truly is the impact of being present? Mm-hmm. And then again, how does, how does breath uh, help in, in starting to increase the amount of presence we have in our life? Mm, that's a nice question. Um, I mean, what you said is so interesting. So my own teacher, I learned all of this amazing breathwork from Gurudev Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. And he says the same thing you said. He says, ah, now you have the switch. The switch is in the self, like the self. Mm. You, When you know these practices, you are in control of the switch instead of the environment controlling you. In a way, I mean, sometimes people react. They're like, yeah, I reacted. Like they have pride associated with it. But when we're reacting all the time, the environment is running us. We're the victim. But when we have a control of the switch, we're in, in charge. Not only can we be in charge or have autonomy of our own inner state, that's when you can start affecting others. You know, a peaceful or happy person spreads that in their environment. So that is what you said. It's the ultimate empowerment is being able to <laughs> have some control over your inner state because you actually influence others that way, too. Um, mm-hmm. One one quick comment on that, Annalise, and then I know you're you're on a train of thought that I really want to hear. But I know one of your good friends is Emma Sapala uh, out of Stanford, and and she's she has learned from you, and she she now teaches much of the sky you know breath meditation. What's great is in her role in the university, she's been able to do further research to validate you know the the uh, impact scientifically of these techniques. But I I love one of the things she talks about often is some of the research that shows just ripple effect that actually as we increase our happiness level then there is a statistically significant increase in the happiness level of people up to three degrees away from us. So we're talking about, you know, your your friend's child's coach has an increase in their level of happiness because of your increase. And so, you know, what you're talking about there is we as we begin to cultivate this greater sense of peace and control within ourselves, we've learned the techniques to be able to be in control of our state, it has that ripple effect that actually, you know, fundamentally impacts a lot of people. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's so beautiful, isn't it? Like you being happier affects three degrees away from you. It's huge. It's so beautiful. And some people I think who are service oriented feel a little bit guilty being happy. Like, well, look at the situation in Ukraine or wherever else, you know, maybe even if you live in Russia, it's also not happy. You feel guilty, but it's like, if the doctor is sick, how are they going to make others get well there you know in order to make others happy we have to be happy um but now that you brought up emma maybe i'll connect to one of the things she studied that connects back to your original question like how can we live in more in the present and it's true the stats say most of us 50 or 55 percent of the time are not in the moment it basically means you're missing your life you're half you're getting half of the life and the rest of it is going by and the mind is somewhere else. You're actually not here. You're not enjoying. You're not participating <laughs> because the mind is being pulled somewhere else. So that can happen because of this distra- distraction, but it can also happen from old traumas. 
some of us are ruled by old traumas and that clouds our experience of the present moment because those traumas are deep-seated and they become like an impression in the system. You know, they become a deep-seated impression. Um, one of the studies that Emma did on sky breath meditation was with veterans returning from war. And I mean, I've never been in war, but it's like, to me, that must be one of the deepest impressions you could ever have having killed someone or seen people killed right in front of you. Like it's a very deep impression. And from the story she tells about that study, those people are haunted by it. They have the same dream every night, you know, and or they can't sleep because of the dream and they see these things in front of them. So a study she did was so interesting. Like they learned what, like maybe six days of all the breathwork, sky breath meditation over and over layered, practicing every single day. And all of them had PTSD in the beginning, but after those six, seven days, they no longer qualified for PTSD. They did not have the stress responses anymore. And um, anecdotally, it was like so beautiful. Like one of them that would have the same dream every night after those six days, he stopped having the dream, hmm. which was of someone he killed or was had told to kill, you know, like, which is incredible that deep enough breath work can just like root that out of your system. Um, and then the phenomenal thing about that study was they followed them for one month. And usually everybody's like, what about years? And they also followed them for a year. So after one month, they didn't qualify as having trauma anymore. They wouldn't respond to like, they wouldn't have the same startle response to huge loud noises. They even measured the flicker in their eye. Wow. In a dark, pitch dark room with like, a loud, huge, loud noise going off randomly. So that startle response wasn't there anymore. And after a year, it was maintained. And the weird thing was they weren't forced to practice over the year, told they had to practice. It was like whether they practiced or not. So some, it suggested there's some permanent shift in the system uh, with enough breath work. To me, it's sky breath meditation. There's a specialty in that practice to remove trauma. But why I'm talking about that is when the trauma is removed, you can live way more in the present moment because mm -hmm. you're not governed by all this old baggage. And think about it like if something happened to me or you right before this conversation, half of every minute would be going, it would be going through our mind and we would miss the moment and I would maybe miss your question, right? Like the old traumas kind of govern the mind. And when those can be, washed out of the system, we can live much more in the present moment, you know, oh, and powerful. Thing, like just the just breath right now could bring us into the present. Like, Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, as you talk about that, it makes so much sense how our past experiences, the hurts that we have, how they would influence our ability to be present and then thus fundamentally how, how we're experiencing our life. Thank you for listening to this part one of my interview with Annalise Richmond. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss part two, which will be posted next Tuesday. In that follow-up episode, Annalise leads us through a simple breathing exercise that will instantly help your burdens to feel lighter, will help you to feel more present, calm, and peaceful. Also, I invite you to tune in to the podcast episode that will be shared next Thursday. 
it'll be a special episode where my wife Ashley and I will share what our family's been up to and what our plans are for the next six months to allow our community to learn with our family as we seek to strengthen each of the pillars we use to define whole being health as a family. I look forward to seeing you there and hope you have a wonderful day.